passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Really, when you get into these exclusive interviews, it's always good to see, you know, like your perspective and how you view things. And now what you're doing now, and I think it's great for the fans too, but let's start off with some LSU stuff. Joe, I saw an iconic picture of you in the middle of Death Valley and you have your hands up after a big play, big touchdown. For, for you, being on that field, being at Death Valley, like – what do you remember? Like, bring us back there when you're in around a hundred thousand fans and and the stadium's going wild. What was your best memories of those times at LSU? Um, winning football games. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it was secret that you know my record just continued to get worse when I got to the league. But um, coming from Detroit, I would say that Death Valley was one of the reasons I decided to come to LSU. Um, football's not a big deal in Michigan. I can't speak to it now. When I was coming, you know, when I was coming out of high school, football wasn't um, a big deal, you know, and I played in Detroit. We would have to play our games during school hours so that no one would get shot. Mm. Um, as you can imagine, the stands aren't really full at uh, 1 p.m. <laughs> on a Friday, you know. Right, right, right. So to see all like, come together, you know, to watch the game, the energy, the excitement, I mean, all the words I'm sure you've heard before. But for me, it was uh, it was probably one of the greatest experiences of my life. I mean, as far as just seeing all of those people, like just seeing people come together for something in general was great for me. Right. Um, seeing those people come together for the game and the excitement that all those people had and, you know, learning like the history and the traditions of the university and that kind of thing. I mean, it was... It was pretty special. Um, I'll say I was never nervous to play in Death Valley. I guess it's because I was always on the home team. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, it was it was a great experience. I talk about it, you know, I talk to my wife about it. I'm sure I'll bring my kids there one day when they get old enough and their ears don't get blown out from the noise. But, like, I, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and it was very exciting to see, you know. Uh, very exciting to be a part of. And like I said, there's nothing like winning. Is there's there? nothing like Go ahead. My uh, bad. No, go ahead. My bad. Uh, I cut you off. Winning in Death Valley on a Saturday night. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's going to be a good night. Someone could have died that morning. But if you won a Death Valley on Saturday night, like, <laughs> you'll be less sad. I'm not saying it'll go away, but it was, it's a party. You so, know. so Joe, the the I was at the Georgia. I don't go to a lot of games. You know, we do a post game show after LSU, all this kind of stuff. So I don't get to go to a lot of games, right? But something, mm -hmm. to, you know, hearing a lot, a lot of things like in 2019, the year that LSU obviously won the national title, and my family's all there. They're sitting in the stands, 
and I'm on the sidelines. I'm watching the game, and at the end of the game, I go and meet up with them. And something interesting about that, you don't really realize the atmosphere of LSU or Death Valley until you're down there, right? Like until there's a big play and somebody's screaming at you, whether it be good, bad, or indifferent, they could tell you they love you, they hate you, whatever. But I'll never forget, and Joe, you might be able to speak to this too from a physical, like from a physical standpoint, not even playing in the game. But I look down, and you probably remember this, they have a thermometer right where you walk out uh, when you all come out to the stadium. And I'm like, why does that sucker say 126? Ain't no way it's 126 outside. Man, I was drenched in sweat. I'm a big dude. We're two former offensive linemen. But it's just the entire atmosphere that's absolutely crazy uh, of being in Death Valley. Now, Joe, we'll go to your music career in a little bit uh, later. But does that – I never looked at that I didn't even know that the thermometer was there. (laughs) Oh, I found that sucker quick. When I'm sweating, I got to change shirts, you know. It It was ridiculous. But Joe, is like, right? It's like when you were, you were probably like, "What is it like? Ninety out here? One twenty six? God, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, ignorance is bliss." Oh, I was in a sauna, man. And look, I, I'm not. You know, us former all O linemen, man. We're not. <laughs> we're not good in these type of situations. But uh, playing in Death Valley and, and going on to your career, doing live shows and stuff, did that ever prepare you for what life is like now, to an extent, too? Like. You, I, I can't imagine being in a situation where – and then look, I get nervous every time I do a live show, right? So I get it. I always get the butterflies. But once you do it so many times and you've been in that situation, how did that help you now into your, like your music career, being a part of something like that, maybe being around live fans or, or whatever? Um, there was an experience I had. This is when I was playing in the NFL. Uh, we were playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. We were losing. And, <laughs> and I remember looking up, you know, that's like, I mean, Kansas City, this, that's a big stadium, you know. I mean, you know, right. one of the loudest ones in the NFL. Um, and I remember seeing all these people, you know, on the field. You, you can attest to this, seeing all the, uh, you got the two organizations, plus all the media people, all the, you know, uh, equipment people, uh, health people, that kind of thing. Seeing all those people, you know, come together in that stadium, that kind of thing. And I looked up and I saw that Taylor Swift has sold out the Kansas City Chiefs Stadium like three days in a row. And I'm like, that's like one person or one person in a band right. playing to the same, you know, number of people. And I will say playing football in front of people was easier because, and I always saw it as like, you know, like I'm part of a team, you know, right, like, right, I'm right. Touch the ball. It's not like I'm jogging off. There's old Joe Barksdale. Let's see what he's doing today. That doesn't happen. You and I's a lineman. Nobody cares what you do. You, so you go from like being some peripheral figure to like, we're looking at you, you know. Right, um, right, right. I would say the thing that probably prepared me the most to play in front of people was when I broke my knee in the NFL. That was probably the most vulnerable I'd ever been in, in terms of like not being able to move on my own power. Um, and that, I would say that's what really helped me the most because at that point, when you can't get up, you know everybody's looking at you. You know, right. and I was like, "Well, I'll never be in front of a hundred thousand fans with a broken knee again." So it can't be harder than that. But I would say that's the difference. As an offensive lineman, you're trying to stay out the way. Right. As a musician, as a comedian, you are the show. Right, and, and you so, know, it's it's so funny that you talk about that too, because like torn ACL. 
you tore a knee. I mean, it, I, I feel like this the same way that like you did. You're laying there on the ground like, man, just get me on out of here, man. I don't want people looking at me as the you know, looking at me. But I think that's a good characterization of how those two those two uh, uh, changed and correlated. Uh, Joe, I got to ask you this. You talked about San Diego and and just watching you watching your career. Obviously, knowing you being at San Diego. I got to be honest. Sometimes I sit up at night and I watch old Philip Rivers trash talking videos. Right? Is he the best trash talker that you'd ever been around on a football field? No. <laughs> <laughs> like when you hear about Philip Rivers because he's a quarterback, but like, I mean, I've heard some shit. Like Philip Rivers, <laughs> like this, you hear about it because he touches the ball. Imagine what the people who aren't touching the ball are saying to each other. Like right. I've heard people say, "Too, too, okay." The best trash talk I've ever heard from a player to another player. Um, I saw a player stick his hand out to a guy one time, you know, in the middle, you know, at the end of a play, and uh -huh. say, like, thank you for my contract extension. I know it's the first season. <laughs> I've been busting your ass so bad that they're gonna pay me now. Like, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Damn. And it was only like a quarter. And then the worst trash talk I've the best trash talk I've ever heard from a player to a fan, because fans talk so much shit. Because they know that you can't jump in the stands and hit them. No doubt. Um, but, like, any fan that's in the stands talking tough, all the way back to, like, the brawl at the Palace with the Detroit Pistons. Like, that dude deserved to get hit in the face. You have to, Anyway, the best trash talk I ever heard from a fan, and this was from an offensive lineman. The dude's talking, to, talking trash to our center. It's Christmas Eve in Oakland. Uh, Thursday night football. Hey, Sin, oh, you fat piece of, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. And the center's like, hey, bro, hey, is that, your, is that your woman next to you? And he was like, yeah. And he was like, hey, I, if I was you, I'd shut up before I buy what she really wants for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I'm crying. Oh, it's so great. Oh, it's so great. Trash talk I've ever heard. No, I'm not going to do that. But, <laughs> but you hear some trash talk. Like, right. You hear some trash talk. Yeah, there's some, there's some that we just probably have to, you know, when we're in private, not on a recorded line, then oh, we yeah, can talk about it. Because I use some of it in my comedy routine. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. Joe Barksdale joining us. We'll let you know where you can follow him and all the stuff. We'll have this up on YouTube and, and all the audio podcast platforms. Don't forget to go to our audio podcast platform. Download, subscribe from our belief partners and betonline.ag. Joe, I got to ask you one more football question. I just want to talk about you. Um, I always play guys like, you know, I have his rookie card right here, Fletcher Cox. We, you know, at least for me, I always sit back and I think about my life and think about a career, a very short and not good career that I had, and think about all the greats that I played. And I watch them on Sundays, and I think to myself, like, man, that guy, that guy's just different. Was there a guy specifically to you that was like, man, this guy's just on a different level. No wonder why he he is one of the best in the league. This is what he does. I can't. I, I've tried everything to do I could do to stop him. Was there anybody in the league or SEC that you ever went up against uh, that you were like, man, I just I can't stop this guy. No. No. Um. I honestly used to hate hearing offensive linemen say that. Like, oh my God, we play, we playing the Denver Broncos this week. Von Miller's so good. You're not even blocking them. You're not even blocking them. Like, what? 
you know, like, we're not just going to sit around and talk about how good people are. Let's look at the film. There are people blocking these people. Mm -hmm. Like, these are human beings. They can be blocked. Let me show you. That was always my thought process. I like that. I used to hate. I used to hate it. Like, people would just make it seem like, like, if if the dude was that unstoppable, they wouldn't even put a lineman in front of him. They would just let him go. Mm. Now, that's not to say that, like, I've had a no one's ever played a perfect game. I get that. But nobody's unblockable. Well, I, I I agree with that statement. And, you know, fans don't realize that. They talk about – say that again? I'm sorry. That's the thing about being an offensive lineman. Even when you get beat, 90% of the time it's your fault. Like, it's bad technique. Right, right. People don't realize, like, hey, if I can just get my technique together, figure out what works for me, and then deploy it again and again and again, like, it, nobody's unblockable. You know, you know, it's funny you talk about that because – I remember I'll remember people and just fans and look we have them in our shows all the time. They're like they'll talk about well this player on the offensive line stinks, and I'm thinking because he gave up a sack or a sack and a half, right? And I'm thinking to myself, well, they just ran 97 plays or 87 plays, and he only gave up only had one bad play of those 87, and that makes him bad. Well, I will take the other 86. Like thank you very much that he went 86 straight plays of only – or doing being really well and only giving up that one sack. And I don't think fans really think about that a lot. Fans don't think about a lot of things. <laughs> fans don't think about anything. I mean, I, I'm I'm joking, but I'm serious. No, like, I know. Even when you talk about, like, taking knees during the national anthem, and you got fans that are mad about that. Right. But these are the same fans that are also during the that you know oh say hey my man let me get two beers over here please <laughs> during the national anthem that's some bullshit you see those players down there taking the, like you know what I'm saying like uh, it's, completely it's, a fan is not qualified advice a fan has never been qualified advice no offense to you or any media outlet that's one of the reasons I used to hate the media because they gave fans like more power than they needed. It's like, bro, hey, it's your job to be amazed in the stands. No one cares what you think. You're still living at home with your mother. You're 33. No one cares what you think about this college offensive lineman. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, like, dude. It'll be something. It's not the people with something to do that are talking. It's the ones that have nothing else to do, you know? And then, like you said, people aren't thinking before they speak. Everyone's an expert, but no one played in the NFL. I don't know how that works. You got all the answers, but you pushing pencils. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. Like, if you had all the answers, you'd be there. And that's something a bunch of people have said that in my life, but like that's something I've always believed. But that's one of the reasons I'm like talking about football, because every fan is an expert. And I can't tell you how many times I've had fans talk trash to me about my teammates. And I'm not sitting here saying I'm Mr. You know, we're a family, but like, bro, you're not just gonna sit here. You'll never be able to I don't care if it's the worst player on the team, you can't do what he does. Right. No doubt. No doubt. You know what I mean? Well, like, and, and, I, I go out there, if you could go out there and do it, you'd be doing it. Mm-hmm. Right, like, I agree with that. Well, yeah, now you're a guru. Well, and, and you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that about, like, the fans' empowerment and you talk about, like, the media and stuff like that. I mean, Joe, you just have to go watch more of our show. I mean, I'm getting on the LSU media right now for – you know, they're wanting to hear from the new head coach. And I'm like, can you give the man a, a second? He just hired 60 new people on staff. Can you give the man a week and a half? He's still asking where the bathroom is. Excuse me, where's the bathroom? Hey, we need an interview <laughs> about what it's like. 
He's going to complete Jamal Adams. He's trying to get to use his key card to get in the building, and it's not working right now. Like, like, like Jamal Adams meet Brian Kelly. Like, it's the same situation, and I, I agree with you on that one. Joe, want to transition because we only got a couple more minutes here with you, and I greatly appreciate your time with us. Uh, you talked about your music, and you talked about your uh, comedy career and, and things like that. Man, i got to be honest. I've always wanted to play the guitar. But, dude, you kill it. Like, I, I I got an acoustic guitar right there. Okay, took lessons. These fat, chubby fingers just don't move as good as yours do. When did you learn to play guitar? When did you learn that you were really good at, at, at being in music and doing music and writing music? Take us – take the fans that haven't – talk or seen you in a while take us through that when you started picking that up and how good that's been for you well guys it started on a friday evening it was no, I'm just, um, <laughs> I, I started playing during my career to get over a uh, to get over a very significant death that i had in my life um as you know I started, well maybe not i didn't start playing football until i was like 15 16 right there was like one coach on the team that believed in me at the time his name was charleston fives he pretty much got me from, like, I remember my first time walking on the field. What position you want to play? Oh, y'all got positions? I just thought we hit each other. Um, <laughs> to, like, you know, to, like, to be in a parade All-American, you know? And he was with me through college and, he, you know, into the NFL. Uh, he was pretty much like, you know, dad, big brother, all that, rolling the one, mentor. And he died in a car accident. Uh, Sorry to hear that. Oh, thank you. Um... It was either in the 2013 or 2014 season, one of those two. He died during the season. Uh, like, I found out Thursday, played a game that Sunday. Um, it was pretty hard for me, uh, mm -hmm. clearly. And um, Jeff Fisher told me that I needed something to do in the offseason that would take my mind off of it that wasn't just playing Call of Duty, you know. Uh, right. um, you seem to dig music. And I had a flashback to when I was in. So I used to play in the middle school band. I played saxophone. Um, and back then, the teacher, the music teacher, used to tell my mom, like, you can't let him stop. Like, this is, you know, like, he's gifted. Like, this is, you know, he's he can be a hell of a musician one day, all that kind of thing, all that kind of stuff. I kind of took a break from it because I was doing the football thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a little hard to play music when you're dead tired. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. But, yeah, so music's something that I've always... I've always loved. It's always been like a second form of communication for me. And sometimes it's my preferred method of communication. I don't know if you know I'm autistic. I'm on the uh, autism spectrum. Um, so I don't just hear sounds. Like I can feel sounds, um, you know, those kind of things. And I've always had a special relationship with music. It's always been very, uh, it's been, it's, I've always had an intimate relationship with music and I've always loved it. And, you know, learning how to play the guitar, and then I learned how to play the bass. Then I learned how to play the keyboards or the keys. Then I learned how to produce. So music is, yeah. I mean, I know this sounds super cheesy, but like the music is in me. It's in me, you know. But it, it no, it's, it's always no. My, yeah. Like it's not cheesy at all. Is what I mean. Not cheesy at all. Because uh, Joe, we're we're all artists in our own thing. Like, look, man, I didn't know what I was doing to start this podcast. You know, like. And your mind wanders and you in, in your creative uh, being comes out like the real you can come out in your art and what you do in your content. And I feel that with you, though, man, like it, it all comes out in a in a form like listen to your one of your songs this morning. And I'm like, I'm looking at me and my wife are sitting there like, bro, like, where do you you know, like you feel what you're saying. 
You know, it's not mm. just a, it's not just words on a piece of paper that you're writing down. Like, no, shit. I, I remember my life when I was in that same situation, right? Like, I remember being in that corner. I remember being in that in that part. And I think that that's why I loved listening to you, man. It, it, it You could feel it. And when you talk about that, I think that hits home for not just me, but everybody that's going to listen or, 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 or watch this video. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's just, it's all about, um, I don't know. I mean, in society in general, there's enough people pausing, you know, mm-hmm. acting like, something that they're not. I always want to be true to myself. And that's a hard thing to do. No doubt. But nothing we're doing is easy. So Yeah, not <laughs> you know, I, I wish I could wake up and make a, a crap ton of money. You know what I mean? Like I wish I didn't yeah. have but you know what's funny about that, you know, I kinda embrace the grind. And I'm I'm assuming that music, like you have to embrace the grind. I'm sure there's days that you just you know, we all hit these hurdles. We all hit these mental blocks. You know, like I, we pr- reproduce content all day long, and I'm thinking like, man, I, I don't know where to go next. And you know what's the funniest thing? We did a whole, pretty much like a whole show, and I'm singing "I'm in love with a stripper" by T Pain. You know, like the creative stuff that, like, just because I go in my car and I'm in love with it, and I'm like in here dancing, Stanky Leg comes on next. You know, but that's but that's the part of music that I think everybody fits into because everybody has that moment and that song that you you flash back to when the first time that you hear it and i i love listening to you do it too uh joe what are you working on now uh tell everybody where they could find you what are you working on now and, and what you're doing so i've come to the realization that the way that i relate to people is through pain um because we've all had pain i've been trying as an artist to like figure out you know like what's relatable you know, not everybody played in the NFL, not everybody's autistic, not everybody's mentally ill, but we've all been through something. Right. And that's pretty much what I use to, as the basis of every song that I've made or every joke that I've made, you know, it's like pain adjacent. It's not like I'm sitting here telling you a uh, journal entry, but at the same time, like you said, like people can say, oh, I remember, you know, when I felt like I was in that place. But to answer your question, um, I have an album coming out this year called Yours Truly. Uh, there's actually... A single, I think it dropped today. Um, I should know these things. <laughs> <laughs> There's a single that dropped today called I Need Love. Um, I love it. I mean, I love, I love the song. I'm very excited about the album that's coming out. It's the most, uh, it's coming out this year. Like I said, it's called Yours Truly. Um, the most intimate piece of music or art that I've dropped to date or when it drops, it will have been the most intimate. Like, you know, like Alone, that's an intimate song. I Need Love is another intimate song. The rest of the album is the same way. Um, I'm also producing comedy shows now. I have um, I have one monthly show that we do at a barbershop. Um, next one's going to be March 31st. Uh, it's cost, you know, because you can say, I mean, not say whatever in the barbershop. Not like we having a hate group meeting, but, you know, it's the barbershop. You have oh, the shop man. talk. Oh, man. Yeah, you know. Um, Joe, I'm very- Joe, very quickly, we talked about that. It's so funny you say that. We talked about this this week. You know, these Twitter spaces, and um, we have a very diverse group of people that join our shows, right? So I even mm-hmm. told people, <laughs> look, white guy, okay, never been into a, a black barbershop a day in my life, right? Mm-hmm. I go in there, though, I get faded up, and I'm like, bro, this looks good. I- I'm digging it. Big Sib from Franklinton, Louisiana, shout out to the Taylors, you know, Brandon and, and Terrence and all them. But Big Sib puts that alcohol on the back of my neck. You know, like how they do the alcohol on the back of the neck. 
bro, I start tearing up. And the whole football team that's in there starts like, don't, don't your fat ass cry, Blake. Don't cry. Don't be a little bitch. Don't do it. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> but, but I got addicted to it. But see, that's when I learned, that was the first time I learned about the barbershop. Joe, to your point, I always have gone back. But that, but doing the comedy shows there at the barbershop, it seems pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I'm really excited about it. I'm, <laughs> and besides that, just continuing to produce comedy shows, getting ready to record uh, my first comedy special. Um, that'll probably be either at the end of this year or uh, something. It'll probably be either end of this year or sometime next year. Um, and then I'm also writing, writing a couple books, a poetry book, a fiction book, and then a biographical book. Um, and of course, you know, I'm still producing music and all that kind of stuff too. Awesome, man. We we absolutely love it. You can follow Joe on Twitter, JBDale72. Go give him a follow. Again, it's at JBDale72. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for joining us, man, and we look to catch up with you soon. We're going to do – I need love. I'm going to listen to it right now, brother, but I appreciate you joining the show. Thanks for having me, man. It was a fantastic experience. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Off record. Awesome. Dude, you did great, man. You did great. Thank you. Dude, I'm telling you, man, you'd be good at the podcasting stuff, man. That was some that Joe, there's a lot of people save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready to spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com. For all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.